I'm Maggie Oberg. And I'm Taylor Vaughn. And this is Dormat Theology. In this podcast, we wrestle with theological and contemporary issues as we see them. So grab your tea, kick up your feet, and let's get theological. Hey guys, welcome to another week of Dormat Theology. Our alumni series is officially over and back to your regularly scheduled doormat. This week, we are coming back with an episode on minimalism. Uh, we talked about, should we do a mini-sode or a full episode? And we decided, definitely full episode, because we have a lot to say. So, Maggie's going to start it off explaining what minimalism is all about. Yes. So, if you guys have never listened to The Minimalists, um, there are two guys, and they have, like, a documentary on Netflix. They have books. They have their own podcast. They have, like, a website and all this, whatever. You should go check them out first. Their names are literally just The Minimalists, and they hope to explain what the definition of minimalism is. And essentially, there is no definition because it's different for everybody, but it's basically what it sounds like. It's living a life with fewer possessions, so you get more of the things that really matter. That's what they say. You know, you get more um, freedom. You get more free time. You get more, um, you know, easygoing times, for lack of better words, less stress. Like, the more you lose, the more you gain. So the less possessions, the less, you know, like I said, the less stress, the less, you know, anger, the less problems with money, the less whatever, the more you gain, you know, financial freedom. Um, Yeah. So I guess that's, like, the definition in short, not to be confused. Um, They get a lot of questions about, like, Marie Kondo and the, um, like, decluttering and, like, what brings you joy and all of that. So they say that it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not about the number of things you own, but it's about what helps you be the person that you are. Um, So they say, like, you know... If you don't, within yourself, make the peace first, um, getting rid of your stuff will not help. So, you know, people say, oh, well, I got rid of all my sweaters and I got rid of most of my clothes and all my decorations or whatever, but I still feel empty. And they're like, well, have you done any, you know, self-care or do you, you know, have you done the next step? And they're like, well, no. (laughs) So they're like, garage sale and that's it. Yep. So it's like getting rid of your stuff is not the cure-all, but they say that. Um, learning to live with less and learning to want less um, is, you know, that's, I mean, deconstructing all sorts of societal industries and fashion and, uh, you know, just essentially business. Um, but anyway, so that's like a very long winded definition of what they say that minimalism is. So basically, in short, it's living with less. Wow, there you go. I'm glad you brought up that piece about um, society too, because when I was thinking and reflecting this morning on minimalism, that's one of the things I thought of was just that our society is so, so, so based on consumerism and wanting more and always trying to get more in the next, you know, greatest and best thing. Um, and how that's just so ingrained in our culture that it's like, for a lot of people, they don't even know any other way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why part of why I think minimalism is important is just to like undo what we've been taught that the second the new iPhone comes out, you need to get it. And the second it's summer, you need to buy all new summer clothes and like, you know, just things like that too. It's so ingrained in us to be very want, want, want. Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's pretty destructive for a number of reasons. So, yeah, I think like you talked about, um, 
like the summer clothes or you know you have those associations of like oh well I need you know I need back to school clothes oh I need um whatever and it's like well no you don't really need them you just like them and you want them which is fine too but it's realizing what you're purchasing and their thing is like being an intentional consumer so they say is this worth the time that it's going to take for me to pay this um and they talk returns like a new car is not new like it's a new car for five minutes and then you drive it off the lot and now it's used and they talk a lot about like the new up i just listened to an episode of theirs and they talk about upgrades and they're like well i don't upgrade anything until it needs to be upgraded like you know it feels really good to peel off the little plastic on your iphone um but even after a week it's already kind of lost it's like you know appeal like it's like oh yeah I got the new iPhone but like I'm already kind of over it um right and so it's just so interesting to see or I guess hear that perspective of oh like maybe I am just upgrading maybe I am just buying new things because that's what's being fed to me which again is so true there's nothing to feel guilty about or wrong about because you think about how many ads you see a day if you're just watching a YouTube video or even like Netflix or Hulu or whatever. It's like you are constantly being fed information to just keep buying. Um, and so just simply not buying or, you know, questioning a little bit more or sitting on a purchase or something like that, that instantly helps um, maybe curb your appetite to spend if that's like what you want to call it. But it's like, you just have the, you know, there are times where I'm like, Oh, I want to go shopping. Like, I don't even need anything. I'm like, I just want to go walk around or, you know, you go into target for one thing and you come out with 50 things Mm -hmm. because, you know, you walk by something and you're like, Oh, well actually now that I think about it, I do, I do need that. Or, um, that would be nice or that would, you know, make my life easier. I think, too, there's definitely, I think right away, minimalism seems very much like this, like, physical, um, physical material thing. Like, a lot of times people talk about clothes or, like, just things you might have in your home or whatever. Um, And I think there's definitely this piece of it, too, that's also non-tangible, just in terms of, like, making our life simpler. Like, for example, this might seem really small, but also, why do I always talk about my email lately? Anyways, so... In my email, if I have 300 emails in my inbox and every time I go to check and see if I have anything new, I'm having all these 300 emails stare me in the face. Even if, like, there's nothing I need to do with it. I've already read it. I already know what it says. Like, if I just have it still looking at me, that's going to make me feel a lot more anxious. Like, I have that many more things going on. So, even if it's just a thing of, like, delete your old emails or sort them away in a folder or on your computer even, like delete the files you don't need or on your phone, delete apps you never use. Just because if you can streamline your life and have, instead of five things that are staring you in the face constantly down to only three or two, then I just feel like, you know, it can make us less anxious people knowing we have less things to be looking at and to be checking and dealing with all the time. And I don't know if that's something that they address um Mm -hmm. in the podcast but I know that that's something that just mentally I've been like okay if I could just like simplify down a few things I feel like that makes me feel a lot better a lot of times yeah um they do talk about it so it's called digital minimalism oh Uh, it's like it has a name it has a name it's its whole concept so they talk about like a really good example I'm like a picture hoarder like on my phone I have 2,000 and some pictures oh yeah that's a good one too 
Yeah. And so I am like, well, I can't delete it. Like this is sentimental to me. And they talk about the sentiment because a lot of times people will say, well, no, that has a lot of sentimental meaning to me or that brings back memories. And they're like, well, if you're not, you know, if you're not so worried about this physical thing and you keep thinking about the memories, you know, you recall that on your own, um, you don't need a picture to see it, then eventually you won't need the picture anymore. Um, so they say, you know, how much better do you feel when you just upload things to the cloud and you delete it on your phone? Knowing that you still have access to it, if you needed it, you know, I always say, oh, well, one day I'm going to use this picture for something or, you know, I just feel like I Mm -hmm. store them away. Um, But you upload them to the cloud or, you know, drive or whatever. And then you have the peace of mind knowing that you could access it. But now you are in the present more because you're like, well, no, I don't have that many pictures on my phone. I can take new pictures and I can, you know, make more memories and whatever. Um, That's something where I definitely feel I'm not as maybe with it. Um, I feel like I attach a lot of value to a lot of things that maybe don't need a lot of value. Like I um, absolutely adore like written notes. And I know Taylor, like you're kind Ooh, of in the same boat. Ouch. Yep. Yeah. But like thinking about throwing any of those away, I'm like, no, thanks. Maybe next time. Like I have my graduation cards like from high school and they're all in my closet. Never really read again. But part of me is like, I can't throw those away. Like those people, you know, went out and picked that card for me. And then they wrote a nice message in it. And I need to keep it because that's what it was intended to do. But how many people just throw them away? You know, after like, I feel like there's a small percentage of people who keep stuff like that a long time. Right. And so I'm like, wait, do most people throw them away? I don't, do I don't like, know. I don't know. But so I remember... <sighs> was it it must have been maybe over christmas break or maybe the start of quarantine i can't it all blurs together right but yep um i remember i was texting you because i went through like boxes and boxes and boxes of cards and notes from like high school and college even and like every birthday i've had in the past five years and it was nice actually because i read all of them and if it but some of the ones I did keep, it was like, happy birthday, Taylor, period. And I kept it. And I was like, okay, I yeah. probably should have tossed that one in the first place. But anyways, um, it was nice because I got to reread, like, pretty much everything. And then I got to handpick the ones I did want to keep. Like, I kept some from people who I'm still really close with. I kept my a card my parents sent me. It was the birthday of my freshman year of college. And they... My dog and my cat, they put their paws in paint Aww. and then, like, pushed it on the card. And it was so cute. And I was like, well, I'm keeping that and I'm proud. So, you know, I think, and that's the point, too, of, like, it is okay to keep some things that are really meaningful and sentimental. Um, but, you know, it was nice because I got to relive all that stuff and then handpick what I actually wanted to keep. And then mentally tell myself, okay, the next time I have a birthday, I can keep a card reread it that week and then say okay unless it's something super super special it's gonna go because I'm gonna have more birthdays and that person's love for me is not defined in one stupid stinking card you know like throwing it away is not gonna change anything or whatever but yeah I think partly for me it's a words of affirmation thing too Mm because that's my love language so I'm like but I have to keep it but I don't know I some people throw them away the first week that's more power to you I guess yeah yeah, and I, so this is a good example. I just remembered this. So when I graduated high school, there was a guy who I've been, I mean, friends with since we were in, um, like, kindergarten. Like, we don't really talk a lot anymore, but he was just one of those people that, you know, we went to elementary school together. Like, our parents were, like, okay friends, um, like, all the way through high school. So for my high school graduation, his mom 
uh, came up to me and was like, hi, like, um, I've been saving something for you. And I was like, okay, what is it? Mm-hmm. So she hands me this little card. And it's a piece of paper, like an 8 by 11 piece of paper folded up into force, like you do when you're a little kid, when you're making cards for people. And on the front, it said, um, like, oh, shoot, I don't remember now. But I had written this guy a little love note when I was in second grade. Oh! And so it said, like, um, I feel like things have been distant between us. And then on the inside, I drew, like, a little heart or something. It was like, maybe we can fix it together. Or, like something like weird and really cringy and I don't know where I came up with that at because like I don't know um but I knew it was from me well when I signed it and two I like put roses all over it and my middle name is Rose and I must have just been like obsessed with them um but the fact that she had saved that over you know how 10 years or however many years to give to me for my high school graduation I was just like a mess like I was just bawling because it was something so cute and she's like I just knew this was special when you like gave it to him um so he brought it home and showed me and I just tucked it away like I just kept it for you um and so I guess this has something to do with the sentiment too I kept it in my car for a while and it got water damaged I just had written on it with Crayola markers so of course the markers blood so you can still kind of see what it said, but the marker, like, washed all over it. Like, so I still have the card, um, but it doesn't really look like how it did when I first got it. So it's one of those things that I was heartbroken when I saw that it was ruined. But also just having it, I was like, you know, that's such an awesome memory of, like, my life. Um, and what a special thing that she thought to hang on to that for me to give to me when I graduated high school. Um, right. So that's one of those things, like, you know, it feels, well, I mean, Taylor and I, I feel like we prepare for a lot of things, and it feels very unshaky when things kind of go wrong. Um, I think we're both adaptable when we have to be, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Uh, but it feels more comfortable to just plan and follow the plan as accorded, or, you know, as you've, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But then when something happens like that, and it's like, you can't, you know, I can't reverse keeping it in my car I can't you know take back any of those things of where I chose to keep it what I chose to write on it with when I was in second grade so then when that happened it was like you know that really sucks but it's gonna be okay because I still have the memory so I feel like that is kind of encompassing you know you know it's not the thing it's the memory or um or like the fact that she thought of you and then yeah like thought of you back then and then remembered it and thought of you again like all those years later too Yeah. So, and that's what, like, the minimalists say at the end of their episode. That's their, like, equivalent of don't be a doormat. They say, um, love people and use things because the opposite never works. And it's just one of those things that's like, wow, like, how true is that? Well, yeah. Yeah, I need to listen to them more. Yeah, no, they're phenomenal. So not to, like promote other podcasts but they're super awesome um i mean everything they do in the sense of minimalism too like they don't do ads because they don't think it's true to what they're trying to you know say to the public and the message they're trying to share um and their documentary on netflix is one of my favorite things to watch like i that's something i'll put on just if i don't know what else like that's like my new how to lose a guy in 10 days (laughs) kind of (laughs) Like, I can just watch it, know what they're saying, and I found, find something new to value in it every time I watch it. Um, it kind of reminds me, like, minimalism as a whole of Gitmo. 
Oh. Except yeah. in your stuff. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, why do I need, you know, I mean, taking pictures, for example. Why do we take 10,000 pictures of, you know, well, they're candid. Oh, well, I can delete them later. I don't know anybody who actually deletes them later. I do delete them later. but Okay. Well, now I know one person who just deletes them later. That, that might be it. Um, but like when I, so I took a disposable camera where you only have 26 pictures and I had to sit there and only wow. take 26 pictures and it's like, I have to line up this shot. Perfect. I only get one or I could take 26 of the same thing, but why would I want that? So, so did that you, was... how did you know, like, were there some moments where you're like, oh, I just feel like something better is going to come. I don't want to use one of my pictures on this. Like, um, yes. So, so how did you know what to pass up and what to use your picture on? So I, um, how did I know? Part of it was a lighting thing. So part of me was like, this looks really pretty to me, but I know from my, you know, not super extensive photography knowledge that this isn't good lighting. Like this picture is not going to turn out how I see it with my naked eye. So I'm better off to remember this in my head um, than I am to take the picture because it's one of those, like, you know, the picture doesn't do it justice. Like, kind of moments so for me to sit and say oh this moment is really special between these humans that I'm with like I'm gonna take a picture of that or um you know this view is something that I've never seen before and I want to remember it regardless of what lighting looks like I'll take a picture of that and so I kind of had to ration my pictures per day too like I said okay I need to save five pictures for the last day I need to save four pictures for this you know night or um I'm gonna see the sunset later so three pictures for that or like whatever so then I wasn't using like I got my three pictures for that sunset or the views or whatever and that was it Mm. but it was really hard to sit like it was challenging but also I found a lot of meaning and you know what kind of memories do you want to create and how do you want to snapshot that in time instead of just holding down the camera button a million times on either like a digital camera or your phone camera um because those memories then I maybe personally feel like come dispensable like you know oh I have the picture I don't have to remember it with my eyes or whatever I mean I've been to my fair share of concerts and I have all these concert videos that I never rewatch. really right Same. like I do I do sometimes and doing so is a really nice memory but part of me is like what if I never took the video in the first place like what if I just um enjoyed it as it was Right. Like, would I appreciate it more? I don't really know because I've never really done it. I feel like that's actually such a good, um, the disposable camera thing is a really good illustration of, you know, with smartphones in that sense too, it's like everything is just so expendable and we can just like take these pictures haphazardly anytime we want. But that experience really forced you to be intentional about how you were spending your resources. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what if that's how we viewed our money? You know, not just like every time you pass a Starbucks, like, well, I have $5, I'll buy a coffee. If you saved all that $5 per day, you could save it for something that you actually need. You know, if you need a part for your car down the road, you're going to be pissed that you spent stupid money on coffee every day of the week, you know? Um, And so, and I think that's one thing too, is I, at least for me, um, futuristic is one of my top five strengths so I feel like I do that kind of naturally is like well I could do this now but what about 
you know, what could come in the future that I want to be prepared for. Um, and so just kind of picking and choosing like what you want to invest in at certain times and what you want to let sit and keep thinking about too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, that where you put your money to has a lot to say with what you, I mean, find important. Um, part of me, I I don't know. I have two different perspectives. It's one of those, like, I don't really know where I fall. But it's like, okay, I am very, very guilty of spending five plus dollars on coffee. I don't do it a lot, but I do it. Um, Or, like, if I go out for drinks. I mean, not as of recently, but, like, go out for drinks. It's like, why does it matter if I'm drinking wine or coffee or water, which is free? Because what matters is the interaction with the person that I'm sitting there with. Very hardly ever do I go just sit down at a bar by myself? I don't think I've ever done that. But you think about going with friends. It's like, well, I'm making memories. It's okay to spend money. It's like, yes, that is okay if that's what you want to spend your money on. But I can't think of how many times I've come back from a night out, looked at my bank account the next morning and been like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. I spent money on something that I'm never going to get back. That investment wasn't wise for me. It was wise for me at the time because, you know, in an inebriated state, I said, (laughs) oh, this is worth it. And then my bank account the next day is like, you big fat idiot, what are you doing? Well, and part of that too, though, and so when I first gave that coffee example, I was actually thinking of you because um, I think it was also probably right when we got back from spring break and you texted me and you're like, I've had six dirty chais in six days. This has to stop. And then you started making them at home for a fraction of the price. And so, you know, and that's the thing too of, okay, if we do something and we're like, all right, that's not really working, working, then just don't keep doing it. Like, take the time to figure out how to do something differently. Or, you know, I think part of the don't be a doormat is like, not just like mindlessly doing the same things we've always been doing over and over and over, but taking the step to like make that change. Um, and so, yeah, I think at least on the coffee sense too, that's something that I remember you did a few mm-hmm. months back for sure. And I mean, truthfully, that's something that reminds me of the church. Like, you know, how you said the mindlessly doing things over and over, you know, our whole lives we've been fed into, you know, you need this, you need this, buy this, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But when you think about all the things that we've mindlessly being, you know, we've been fed by our institutions, it's like, you know, as soon as you question something or as soon as you think a little bit differently about something, it's like, that's not wrong. Like, that's very much, it should be encouraged in my personal uh, humble opinion. Um, but it's like, how much money, I think maybe Craig talked about this. Um, when you're trying to grow a church, like, obviously that takes money. Um, but part of what gets churches into trouble is where they put the money that they get from the congregants. So, you know, are you using that solely on church renovations that don't need to be done? Or are you feeding that back into your community like you're supposed, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be doing? Right. Exactly. Um, Like where, and I mean, Taylor and I just talked before this, but it's like where I want my money to go now has drastically changed from a year ago. A year ago, me probably didn't care so much, but now... Um, I feel the need to either one, give it back to the community two give it to people who know what to do with it for other people that need it or three supporting people who are independent of themselves, if that makes sense um, or small business owners, et cetera. Um, Or within myself, you know, and the coffee is a good example. Like, do I want to pay $6 at scooters for a dirty chai? Like, yes, it's delicious, but I can make, a very similar it's not the same obviously not quite as good but still very good 
Um, I can make the same thing at home for, you know, a dollar, maybe a little bit more. But what am I going to do with that $5 then that I save? Am I going to donate it? Am I going to, you know, um, I mean, give it to a friend maybe for them to get a coffee or a treat, you know, a pay it forward. Or what am I doing to better serve my community with the money that I now save because I'm more intentional with where I put it? Right. And I think how you kind of opened this part, you said where we spend our money says a lot about, you know, the things we care about. And I think that's a really good segue um, to kind of bring in some theological insight here. So I was, we were laughing before because I did my homework this time. So I'm going to tell you where the verses actually come from. You're welcome. Um, So in Matthew chapter six, um, the whole, there's a whole like five or six verses about this, but I'm just going to read the one that says for where your treasure is there also your heart will be. So normal person terms if i if i let's say i spend all my money um decorating my house which i feel like is kind of convicting to me personally because since i'm moving soon i'm like i have to get new bedspread and i want to get these certain decorations and do i need a color scheme do i really care how am i going to arrange my furniture like that when i'm bored Mm -hmm. that's just like where my mind goes um so for me i'm like okay do that less but Nevertheless, if you're spending, you know, a lot of your money on your home and to making it look like really, really nice in a way that you're going to Ikea and spending thousands and thousands of dollars, um, it might seem nice. It might look impressive to your guests. It might look really good in an Instagram photo. But if there's a house fire and all the money that you spent in the past year went to, you know, aesthetically pleasing things in your home, like how heartbreaking is that going to be? Like. Or another example, if you're investing a lot in aesthetic things for your car or really fancy speakers or, you know, a whole bunch of just things for show, I guess. And then you get in an accident, like, it's just, it's going to feel like you're going to feel like a fool almost. Like, why is that how I spent all my money? Whereas if you're investing in, like you said, Maggie, like small businesses um, or people that you know personally and like their hopes and dreams, like. I don't know. It just speaks a lot to like the things we actually do care about because our money is a very, very personal thing. Like if, Mm -hmm. especially as college students, I feel like if we, you know, have a limited budget anyways, we're paying our way through school, like where we choose to spend our money, like does say a lot about the things we care about. So I think it's a fact of intentionally thinking what I want to invest. Um, And I think it, for a lot of us, it should be a point of prayer too. like, if there's a big, you know, hundred dollar purchase, you're thinking about making like maybe take a few days or a couple weeks to sit on it instead of just doing it on a whim too. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that was something I was just thinking about earlier today. So. Yeah. And I guess the minimalists have like a, a rule. I think it's called like, they have a 30 rule, a 60 rule and a 90 rule. And I couldn't tell you what the other two rules are, but I think the 30 rule is if it's over $30, take three days. If it's not something that you can say, Oh yes, this will enhance my life um, for X, Y, Z. And I feel very confident in this purchase. If you can't really say like, I need this for food, water, shelter, you know, your basic needs, take three days and think about, you know, where's my money going? Do I actually need this thing? Because when you do those kind of splurge purchases, um, you know, you're feeding into this like, Oh, well that wasn't so bad. And I made the money back today at work. So it's fine. It evens out. But, you know, like you said, Taylor, like, 
how many things do we spend so much time and energy either worrying about shopping about whatever and it's like maybe at the end of the day it's not gonna matter even you know mm-hmm. like I really like and you mentioned the bedspread thing so I felt a little attacked because oh, when sorry. I graduated <laughs> no that's okay I went like I graduated college and was like you know what I don't like my bedspread I think it's a little bit little not little kid but just like a teenager it's not really what I like anymore um I want a new one but part of me is like well okay here's the thing I have a full bed if eventually I want a nice queen size bed next year let's say does it make sense for me to spend a hundred plus dollars on a new comforter or duvet and duvet cover um when I might not have this bed in a year and then in my head I'm like you know what no it doesn't really make that much sense so instead what I'm gonna do so that money that I was going to use for um a duvet or um a comforter I decided that instead I'm going to spend it on a camera lens because like I mean I like photography I take pictures a lot Taylor can probably attest to this a little bit um while I don't really I mean I have done commissioned work in the past it's not something that I actively seek but it's a hobby that I genuinely enjoy it makes me feel good it's a very self-care um oriented thing and I know it's kind of hypocritical because we were just talking about (laughs) taking one picture um (laughs) But something that feels good for me is photography. So investing in that, using that as a form of self-care is going to go a lot longer. That lens is going to last me a lot longer than something that I sleep in. Like, I'm not even looking (laughs) at it, really, like that much. Um, I mean, maybe now more that I'm doing, like, class in my room. But, you know, it's just a difference in how immediate is the need and is this necessary even like you know this bedspread isn't my favorite no but who cares the only person who cares is me it does its job it keeps me warm at night and they say that about cars too like or dave ramsey says that like the only person who cares about what car you drive is you Mm -hmm. (laughs) like wow how true nobody else notices unless you're driving a tesla which not that many people have and even then they're gawking at you but it's like who cares like who cares I mean, right. I care a little bit because they're good for the environment, but, um, you know, my pon- or our Pontiac is not the best looking car <laughs> out there. I will be the first to admit it's like cute enough. I think Taylor's right. silver one is cuter than my red one, but whatever. Um, well, but the only person who cares about that is like me. Like I am the only one who's like, man, my car's a hunk of junk, which I mean, they do break down, but that's a different story. But it's like, I have always wanted a Subaru, but now I'm like, is a Subaru the best bang for my buck? Like, does it really matter that I drive this car? Right. You know? Well, and so. I feel like I attacked myself a little bit there, too, on the car thing, because just a few weeks ago, I got a new, like, radio stereo system put in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was, like, the speakers that came in the car that I've driven for a year now are, like, absolute trash. Like, sound static no matter what you do. Which, like, to me, it was worth the money because when I've been living here in Rapid and I have to drive 30 minutes to get anywhere I want to go, that's, like, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of music or a podcast or whatever. Or if I make the drive from west side to east side, like, that's five hours in the car. So, to me, like, making the investment for something that I notice every day, like, to Mm -hmm. me is worth it. But, you know, the there's not – it doesn't add really any cosmetic value, so I'm, like – okay whatever justified but um I think that brings up a good point too of 
you know, there are, I think, are certain aspects of, like, because minimalism, I mean, you could live your whole life as a minimalist, I guess, and as every aspect, but that would be, like, so, so beyond what I even know. Like, I feel like that would be, like, almost living in a forest, like, off the grid, like, very, very Mm -hmm. isolated almost even. And so I feel like there are certain aspects of that that could make any of us feel attacked about any part of the life we're so used to living um, just Mm -hmm. on autopilot. So it's not this thing of we all need to change everything we're doing like today, but maybe like for one person, it's like, okay, clothes or maybe just even t-shirts. Like that's one thing for me that I had like, you know, being done with like in your murals and clubs and like all these things. I was like, I have 10 million t-shirts I don't wear and I'm going to cut it down from 60 to 30 and 30 is still a lot, but I'll cut out more in a few weeks or whatever. But so maybe for some people it's clothes, maybe for some it's the digital minimalism, and for some maybe it's, you know, just day-to-day how we spend our money, but I think there's a lot of different applications um, that we can use, and I think everyone can find something that they want to, like, at least work on changing the way we think about how we live our lives in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I think even before that, too, is, like, realizing that oh, this in my life does not reflect who I want to be. And like you mentioned like way earlier in the episode, Taylor, it's like, what's not working? Because if something's not working, are you going to sit there and just gripe about it? (laughs) You know, I tend to do that. I wallow and I say, this isn't working and I don't know how to change it. But really it's like sitting down and just on a piece of paper, like if this isn't working, what can I do? Write down some options and then just pick one of those options and then try that. If it doesn't work, who cares? try another option or go back to the way you were doing it before but at least you tried um like at least you tried to make a difference in like your life and other people's lives and whatever in your budget and like all of that but how much like I mean the credit card industry is an industry for a reason it's not even built on money it's built on debt it's like so humbling especially as students it's like okay well I have this amount of money attached to my name And I hate that. Like, I am so opposed (laughs) to owing anybody anything. And I've always been like that since I was a little kid. Um, So part of me is like, I want to pay off this amount of money as soon as possible, as soon as I can. And um, I like had a big talk with my mom about it because I was like, do I make a really big payment? Or do I just do the monthly payment as they advise and wait till I have a job that I'm making more Mm -hmm. than $12 an hour? And, um, she was like, you know, I feel like that's up to you. It might be worth it just to wait though, because depending on your profession, maybe they'll pay for your debt for you to come there, depending where you go. Um, if it's a small town or a community in need, especially as like a mental health worker, sometimes those areas are willing to pay for your debt, but thinking about holding on to that number and having that attached to me makes me feel very stressed. I'm like, I cannot have debt. And part of that's the achiever in me too. Right. I'm like, I'm going to be the youngest person to pay off this amount of debt in no time working a part-time job. And it's like, okay, well, that's not really even realistic. But detaching that monetary worth from my self-worth, I think, is something that mm-hmm. I've like come to value and say, well, okay, I can't stop spending money on groceries. Like, that is not something I can cut out. Um, you know, and saying, this is an innate need. I'm not going to, you know, starve myself. I'm not going to just eat rice and beans. I can't really even eat beans, but like, you know what I mean? It's just like, well, what do I find important? How am I going to reflect those choices and what I'm spending? And what can I cut back in my life to make me less stressed? 
Right. And that's in terms of material items or um, things that kind of cloud my judgment, you know, in that way, not really like, oh, well, school is making me stressed out. I want to cut out school, which I guess I could. Um, it is an investment, but it's like an investment I want to make. So anyway, that's my big long ramble about that. <laughs> and I think, man, we could honestly have a whole episode, just whole episode, just about like money and finances. Um, yeah, because I think especially at our age, like a lot of financial wisdom, it seems like comes from like experience and making mistakes. And so mm-hmm. I personally just feel like so lost about money so much of the time. Like when I think about like paying off my debt I'm like but how long am I actually deferred and how do I actually tell them how much I want my payments to be and especially Mm -hmm. I don't know it's all to me so so confusing and so a lot of times I just put it away put it away put it away until I get the bill and then I'm like oh I have to think about this now I guess you know um so at least that's something I I wish I had more insight on but we could have a whole episode about that I think just because it is such a big such a big topic but the thought of um, spending too, you know, and a lot of how we even mentioned impulse spending reminded me of mm-hmm. this other theological tie, um, this idea of contentment. And a person could read about that in, in the New Testament. In First Timothy chapter 6, there's um, some verses there about contentment and why that's important and what that looks like. But, you know just this idea of like always needing something more is Mm -hmm. um so so prevalent and part of it for sure is our culture but I remember I was reflecting once on I wonder if it's harder for the homeless person who doesn't have you know more than a couple dollars to their name and you know, or potentially living on the streets is it harder for them to be content in their circumstances or is it harder for the rich man who has all this money at his fingertips and can buy anything he wants. Is it harder? Which of the harder, you know what I'm saying? For which of them is it harder to be content? The one who has nothing or the one who has potentially everything? Mm -hmm. Because the one it's so finite, like, well, this is all I've got. That's all I'm going to have. And the other one, it's like, well, but I can always have more and more and more and more and more. And then there's like you and me in the middle area of how can we look at what we have and say, well, do I want to be somewhere else? Probably. But how can I be satisfied with what I have today Mm -hmm. and not feel like I need X, Y, and Z to be a more whole person? Mm -hmm. I mean, even on a more maybe relatable example, like when you're camping, it's like what you have is what you have, you know, and I think, I mean, I always go back to the spring break trip, but it's like, I remember being so nervous about like, am I bringing the right clothes? Am I bringing enough clothes? Am I bringing, um, you know, too much, uh, like hygiene products? Am I bringing not enough? Am I like, I was just so analytical of everything I brought. And then when I went on my most recent camping trip, it was one of those where you had to canoe and portage. So it's like, what you have is what you have and you cannot just go to the store to get matches if you forget them like you're just gonna have to go without them but how you know more relaxed I was just being like well I guess this is what I'm wearing today or I guess oh like I didn't bring this but it's fine like I can make it for four days also mind you um but it's like even food it's like having you know Oh, you know, you have your meals planned mostly beforehand when you go camping and it's like, this is what I'm having. And I look forward to this meal, like in, you know, taking the time to prepare it in the wilderness. Um, you appreciate your food more. It takes longer to cook. Um, 
and you know you just savor things more and you savor things differently and I think that's something that I always strive to do in my life you know I always say in civilization like loosely but in my everyday routine it's like how can I kind of I don't know replicate those feelings that I have out in nature when I'm camping um, and for what I need and what I want and all of that because when you're out there you're not thinking about oh, I need this, this, and this for my new apartment. I need blah, 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 blah. You're just thinking, wow, this is so peaceful out here. Like, I just love to hear myself think. Or, you know, oh, that's a cool bird over there. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah, nice. or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just so, it's so different and so unique. I just think that that's something that I, again, it's one of those, do I need to spend less time on technology to make myself feel those feelings? And, you know, let myself, allow myself to think and grow as a person instead of just clouding everything with all these wants and filling my day with ads and TV that hurts my eyes and hurts my brain. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is I wonder if part of that is the fact that, you know, you don't have cell service and you're not on your phone. So you're not Mm -hmm. seeing every, every app you're on, you know, however many ads per minute of this piece of jewelry you need or this phone thing you need that it's like and then you know every time I see an ad I on Instagram for example and then there's like the 10 pictures I swipe through all Mm -hmm. of them even if I don't care about what the thing is because I'm just like oh well what if it is Mm -hmm. cute you know and so I think you know kind of going back to the aspect of digital minimalism too is you know I think we've all been guilty of realizing like when you get the screen time notifications like you were up 50% from last week for this many hours per day. And you're like, no way. I did that that many hours per day. And then you think to yourself, all right, that's it. That's too many. I'm going to go down to two hours per day. And then by like midday, you're like, oh my gosh. Wow. And then you get like, at least for me, I try that. And then I give up so easily because it feels like such a feat to really cut back on the amount of time I spend on my phone. But I think even that can be something practical too, to just, you know, cut down even like, a half hour per day and do something else like I you know literally anything else um just because of is that time you know actually you know is it enriching for you in any way mm-hmm. is it spent communicating with someone is it spent researching or, or reading a book listening to a podcast or is it just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and then you don't even remember what you looked at for the past 30 minutes yep. you know um so I think that's another thing too of you know, something we can probably all attest to that is just second nature for us, but that we all probably would want to change if given the opportunity. Yeah. Well, I just looked at my screen time and oh no, last week alone, um, it says I spent almost 24 hours in the week on social networking. Yeah. What'd you say? Four hours per day? Uh, my average was five hours ish a day and then 24 hours total on social networking how do i I just i just search screen time but it says that alone i spent almost okay i don't know how to find yeah i spent almost 13 hours on instagram so maybe that's something i'm gonna do right now is that you can set the screen time um limits for your apps um and say you know i'm only spending an hour on instagram if i'm that bored i can like freaking read a book Right. Oh, and here's another thing about Instagram too, or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, pick your poison. 
Um, and this is also high key exposing myself, but something I decided to do after graduation, um, is really cut down on the amount of people I follow. And my rule is, so I didn't just like go through the list and like hit unfollow, unfollow, unfollow. I waited for people to like pop up on my Mm -hmm. feed. And my rule most of the time is if it's not someone that if I ran into them, I wouldn't stop and say hello and have a conversation. Or if I wouldn't reach out and tell them happy birthday. Wow. Yeah. I unfollow them because like I maybe knew them. I maybe had a class with them and not that I don't care, but I don't need, I don't need to know what they ate for breakfast. Like I just don't because most people overshare anyways Mm -hmm. and I don't need like that many more people contributing to the mindless scrolling and you know part of it is me but if if I'm going to be on there anyways I don't want it to be filled with you know people that I wouldn't even say hello to if I passed them on the street yeah that's um yeah so that's something else I would recommend too which you'll be surprised because and then you'll a month later be like oh I haven't heard from so-and-so lately or seen anything from them and you'll realize it's because you unfollowed them but it won't even be that you missed it it's just that you're like oh it's just one less thing you know that you need to process and then scroll mm-hmm. past yeah well well I feel like before we get too long-winded uh maybe to wrap things up I think in short um minimalism is realizing that you need to be more intentional either with the things or the time that you spend um I think we're just gonna have to do another episode though <laughs> Yeah, stay tuned for parts two and three. And, and four, probably, probably five and six. And Anyway, yeah. but for today, I think hopefully you guys got an earful um, with a little t- a little splash of theology. Just a little splash. A little splash. And you can look up, I mean, you can just Google biblical minimalism and there's like blogs and blogs and blogs and YouTube and YouTube, like a bunch of resources about how minimalism is biblically supported um, and how you can live that out in a prayerful way and doing it from, you know, that spiritual angle mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, so there's tons of resources for it. There's minimalism or sorry, minimalist podcast. And I've seen that documentary too. And it's just really, you know, because everyone, anyone can talk the talk, but to actually see video footage of how these guys travel the country mm-hmm with only five shirts is like wow they're yep. really they're really doing the thing it's really powerful yeah. too um but yeah thanks for listening um side note stay tuned for more sticker designs we were just brainstorming brainstorming those before the episode mm-hmm. as well so they're going to be released soon which we're really excited about yes i guess until uh, the next episode i would say you know wake up from your from your uh society induced need feed set a limit on your instagram i just set one um yeah i hope you guys are feeling as maybe woke as we are about all of this but (laughs) until next time don't be a doormat thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode follow us on instagram and twitter at doormat theology to stay up to date on all our new episodes and all of our happenings shout out to blake schumacher for our cover art and jordan beck for our intro and outro music until next time Don't be a doormat.